Hey there, future fans. This week, we can't spell, we change our names, and we come together. This is the week of April 5th, 2019, and this is episode 129 of Future Flicks with Billiam. everyone welcome to the show we're doing things a little different this week and there's a very good reason why so there's a reason why there's a late episode and why we're doing things so different so let me give you the news first and then i'll tell you what the change is so the news is this week uh, ann and i had her immigration interview as you know my wife is from wales and we're trying to make her american because they they have a queen over there that, that's the most un-american thing i have ever heard uh, but seriously we, we had that going on and Snarf Chris suggested I just skip this week, and I, I really was considering it. And then I looked at the movies we have coming out, and there is some great shit coming out. Also, some awful-looking stuff too, which I I will crap all over when the time comes. But there are movies I'm really, really looking forward to. I think this is one of the best week for movies yet. And that's even with the fact that we have more limited releases than wide releases. Still. It's a great week. So here is what's different. This week, since I'm trying to do the notes, record, and edit in the same day, which I might not be able to do, what we're going to do is we're just going to talk about the movies. That's no news, no trailers, and no question of the week. I am very sorry, but I at least wanted to talk about these films, and I thought, hey, why not talk about the films? Any big news and trailers, I'll save until next week, because let's face it, if it's big enough then you've seen it already. Like you've seen the Joker trailer. And isn't that sh- creepy? I mean, come on. That I'm still not sure what to think, but no, no, no. We'll talk about that next week. Uh, but for now, let's get into the opening housekeeping and then we'll start with the movies. What is this show? Well, this is Future Flicks with Billiam and this is episode 129. And I think this episode name is a little more on the nose too, but I liked it. Cemetery, Segregation, and Shazam. I, I can't even say it. <laughs> but on this show, we normally do things a little different. First off, we do a little unscripted ranting intro like you've already heard. Then we go into the news. That's any news that has caught my eye since the last episode. Skipping it, of course, this week. We then go into the trailers which are any trailers that caught my eye since the last episode. Once again, not this week though, but most of the time we do it. And then after that, we go into the movies. The movies are broken up into two categories. That's limited releases. Those are any movies that are getting limited releases and didn't really catch my eye or something I have a big problem with. And then the wide releases and interesting indies. Those are any indie movies I think you should take note of. Maybe you'd like it. And then any and all wide releases, depending on what I think it looks like. Even if I think it looks like crap, I'll still talk about it if it's a wide release. Then we wrap it all up with a question of the week, which I'm sorry, we're skipping again. And then we send you along your way. So how do you reach me? You can find me on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, and any podcast app. Uh, you can also find the show on the Somewhat Nerdy website. 
You can go to the Facebook page, which will then link you to the website. You can get in contact with me in a couple ways. You can hit me up on Twitter and Instagram at BilliamSWN. You can email me at BilliamReviews at gmail.com. You can comment on SoundCloud or the Somewhat Nerdy website or the Somewhat Nerdy Facebook page. And that Somewhat Nerdy website is SomewhatNerdy.com. And then, hey, we have a Patreon. Go and check it out. We have a couple tiers for you, You, but you can donate whatever you want. Whatever you think we deserve. Whatever pittance you would like to bestow upon us, we will gladly take off your hands and say many, many thanks. There are other shows in the podcast network because I am part of the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network. The first show is a flagship show that is Somewhat Nerdy Radio. That is a bi-weekly nerd nerdy themed podcast that talks about every walk of nerdy life and then the nerds of the squared circle which is a wrestling podcast so if you love yourself some wrestling and of course you do listen to them well ladies and gentlemen let's let's just jump right into it um i'm going to do the limited releases we're going to have our break and it's going to be the full break of all of the ads which i know you're not used to i like to break it up but hey this week we're going to do it like a lot of other shows do and just put them all all in the middle and then we'll get into the wide releases and interesting indies and then i'll send you along your way so let us start with a film called berserk two friends one an actor and the other a former writer realize that none of them have ever felt true fear and they feel that it's holding them back so they set out to trick each other into feeling it whatever the cost this stars Reese Wakefield from The Purge, Nick Cannon from Drumline, Nora Arnzer from Zoo, and James Roday from Psych. And no, not even James Roday, the great Sean Spencer himself could save this. No, no, no. Next up, we have a film called Division 19. In the year 2039, jails have been turned into online portals where the public get to choose what prisoners eat, wear, watch, and who they fight. Harden Jones is the mo- Harden? I just got that. Like he's he's hard, like a hardened criminal. Oh my God, that's terrible. Holy shit, that's so bad. Okay. <clears throat> Harden Jones is the most popular prisoner and is being transferred to take part in a brand new show. He gets busted out during transportation and joins the fight against the government. <laughs> so bad. Harden Jones. Whoever wrote that should be slapped. That is terrible. That's not even cheeky. Anyway, this stars Linus Roach from Homeland, Allison Duty. I knew I was going to laugh. Allison Duty from Indiana Jones and Last Crusade, and Clark Peters from The Wire. I really wanted to like this. I did. Uh, I-, I wanted to like this low budget no-named sci-fi movie, but I just couldn't. It looks awful. Uh, Let's move on to The Haunting of Sharon Tate. 26-year-old Sharon Tate becomes plagued by visions of her imminent death. This stars Hilary Duff from the Lizzie McGuire movie. And instead of this, just watch the Lizzie McGuire movie again, because that would be a better way to spend your time. Like, they're trying to pull some angle that she's being haunted, but no, she's not being haunted. It's all manipulation by Charles Manson, but no, it's a, it's a haunting. It, it, it's just weird. It, no, don't watch it. Next up, we have a film called Suburban Birds. Howe is investigating an abandoned suburban area after a suspected ground leak. He stumbles upon an abandoned school where he finds a diary from a boy and about the separation of his intimate group of friends. Uh, This is a Chinese film and um, nah, eh, 
Nah, watch something else. Next up, we have a film called Billboard. Times are tough, listenership is down, and Casey needs to come up with a plan to save his radio station, WTYT 960. And fast! Casey's grand plan is to host a billboard sitting contest, because why the fuck not? Okay, but I digress. Casey's grand plan is to host a billboard sitting contest, where his four lucky contestants have the opportunity to win $960,000 and a mobile home. No, it's not that I can't speak, except for that earlier part, but no, $960,000 is what's written in the premise. All they have to do is be the last person to survive living on a billboard. And and that right there, that, that last part of the premise makes it sound so f***ed up. The last person to survive. No, the, like everyone else would just leave. And I'm pretty sure if you just offer Eric Roberts a job, he'll take it. Because he's done some pretty big movies, some pretty noticeable roles. And then he does these straight-to-video worthy movies. Like, seriously terrible looking horror movies that i'm pretty sure did go straight to uh, straight to video movies that if you watch a trailer it looks like he was never actually there with the rest of them he just filmed his scenes really quick and then left you know at this point i'm pretty sure i just started talking about eric roberts without talking about the stars so let's say this 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 stars eric roberts from the dark knight darlene cates from what's eating gilbert grape john robinson from lords of dogtown and Oaks Fegley from Wonderstruck. Next up, and finally, in the limited release section, we have a movie called Teen Spirit. Violet is a shy teenager who dreams of escaping her small town and pursuing her passion to sing. With the help of an unlikely mentor, she enters the local singing competition that will test her talent. This stars Elle Fanning from The Neon Demon and Millie Brady from Pride and Prejudice and Zombies. And I, I, for this, I think the combination of Elle Fanning and super artsy looking movie just turned me off because the Neon Demon was so bad. It was so, so bad. It was so bad. I'm not even sure if I like her anymore because it seems to me that she's kind of one note. So we'll have to see how this movie turns out. I just know that they're pushing the soundtrack, like featuring Elle Fanning singing songs by all of these people. It's like, or... Or I could just listen to the original songs. How about that? I would rather do that. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that is it for the limited releases. Let us, you know, I will break up the ads a bit. Let us hear a word from our friends at Somewhat Nerdy Radio, and we will be right back. Stay tuned. Are you troubled by a lack of common interest in your social sphere? Do you experience feelings of nostalgic sentiment in your day-to-day life? Do your family or coworkers not understand your quotes, quips, or references? If the answer is yes, then don't wait another minute. Pick up the phone and download the nerdiest professionals in the galaxy. Somewhat Nerdy Radio. Our nerdy and informative hosts are available 24 hours a day on your favorite podcast app to fill all your super nerdy needs. Good, Good journey, journey, nerds. Download and subscribe Somewhat Nerdy Radio, Future Flicks with Billiam, and Nerds of the Squared Circle on iTunes, SoundCloud, your favorite podcast app, or stream us at somewhatnerdy.com. Good journey, nerds. All right, we are back. We are back with the wide releases and interesting indies. So let's start out with an interesting indie called Storm Boy. Michael Kingley, a successful retired businessman and grandfather, starts to see images from his past he can't explain. He's forced to confront his long-forgotten past growing up on an isolated coastline with his father. He recounts to his granddaughter 
the story of how he rescued and raised an extraordinary orphaned pelican named Mr. Percival. This stars Jai Courtney from Suicide Squad and Jeffrey Rush from The King's Speech. So apparently this isn't the first time this movie has been made. This is based off a 1964 Australian children's book by Colin Thiel about a boy and his pelican. It was first adapted into a movie in 1976, another time in 1996, another, oh no, a stage adaptation in 1996, another stage adaptation in 2013, and now this movie in 2019. Okay, so maybe not turned into a movie a lot, maybe just once before. And a video game called Storm Boy the Game. Oh, they put a lot of thought into that one, didn't they? But this looks cute, and what really got me, and what put it in the interesting indie section for me, is the fact that Jeffrey Rush is pretty great. And Jai Courtney, he, he looks okay. This actually may be his best role, because he's he's not a bad actor, he's also not a great actor. This, this just looks cute. Looks like a cute story. That's all really I have to say about it, is that it looks cute, looks like Jai Courtney's best role yet, which isn't really saying much. I mean, when I say that, that sounds unfair, but he wasn't bad in A Good Day to Die Hard. He just wasn't that good. Uh, he wasn't bad in Suicide Squad. Suicide Squad just wasn't that good. And to be fair, I haven't seen him in much else. But enough about him, let's talk about Jeffrey Rush. You know you love Jeffrey Rush. Who doesn't love Jeffrey Rush? If you don't love Jeffrey Rush, you're wrong. Unless you have some personal reason to not like him, like you met him once and he pushed you over and goes, I hate my fans, and like, bah, spat on you. Then yeah, okay, maybe not like him. Whatever. This movie looks cute, but ultimately skippable. It looks like something that if you have a chance to see it, if you see it on a streaming service, maybe check it out. Storm Boy gets a six out of 11. Next up, we have a documentary called Amazing Grace. This is a documentary presenting Aretha Franklin with choir at the New Bethel Baptist Church in Watts, Los Angeles in January 1972. This is a very specific concert, apparently a famous one. I have to admit, I'm not that familiar with my Aretha Franklin history. I just know that she is legendary, that she's a fantastic singer. I know her music. I know that she is supposed to have like a really terrible childhood. Like she had a bunch of kids, one of those kids her father fathered so not only did she make it out of a shitty home situation like a, a apparently a terrible one she became one of the most famous singers ever and arguably one of the best singers ever and that's something about about music right is that we can still look back and appreciate what someone has done but you're more apt to like the music of your time i mean i i mean i know a lot of people my age who love the 60s and 70s and nothing wrong with that that's great you like what you like but i prefer more modern music at least while I do have a wide taste, I do like modern stuff. But just because you like modern stuff doesn't mean you can't look at someone like Aretha Franklin and go, she was amazing. And I think she will still be remembered for decades and decades to come as one of the greatest. Hundreds of years from now. But this documentary isn't something with, you know, with interviews and people talking about her. This, this is just the footage from this time where she sang in this church. And just watching the trailer, it looks amazing. Just her singing and these people reacting to it in amazing ways. Because you know the stereotypical Black Baptist Church reactions 
they are based off reality. You may watch movies and see them made fun of, but people do react like that. And so in this concert, she will be singing Amazing Grace and people will be basically freaking out. And even watching the trailer, I couldn't help feel a little bit of what they are feeling. So this is something I will watch. Just the question is when. It doesn't have the pressing need to see it in theaters. Maybe, maybe for the sound, but that's a big maybe. If you want to see the legend Aretha Franklin and you want to see one of her concerts, quote unquote concerts, that has never been seen before, you watch this movie. Amazing Grace gets an 8 out of 11. All right, let's talk about uh, one, two, three, three more movies, and then we'll go into our next break and then finish it up. So the next movie this week is called The Wind. A couple lives in the untamed land in the western frontier in the late 1800s. There's something out there stalking around in the night that keeps others away. One night, a new couple moves in and rouses the demons. This stars Caitlin Gerard from Insidious, The Last Key, and Julia Goldani Tellis from Slenderman. Mr. Slenderman. So this movie says in the trailer that for fans of The Babadook and The Witch, you'll love it. Here's my thing. I really liked The Witch. I thought it was a good movie. I thought it was a good movie. And then The Babadook was a horrible movie that when people say, oh, it's such a great movie. No, you're wrong. It is a terrible movie. She screams at it. That's how it ends. She screams at it. It's terrible. It could have been so cool. It could have been really cool, but no, no, it wasn't. So for this movie, I'm teetering. Since they compared it to two movies, I feel really differently about. If it's like The Witch, then my wife will hate it. Yep. And if it's like The Babadook, we'll both hate it. So I'm kind of iffy on the score. And this almost didn't make it into the interesting indies just for that reason, just because I'm so on the fence about it. But I had to make a decision and I put it in the wide releases in interesting indies because it, it looks like it has promise. Indie horrors are very unique because they could either go way too far and just f*** it all up, kind of like it follows or the Babadook did. No, not the witch, sweetheart. Thank you. Or they can do it just right, like with the witch. Yeah, so that's why I'm still so so torn about this. It, it looks interesting. We have this very isolated feeling in the trailer. We have this couple that lives in the middle of nowhere and not like the middle of nowhere today where they can just jump into their car and be in a town in half an hour. They are far, far away from the nearest city and no one lives around them. And it, it's just very dark and isolated. And then you have all this scary shit going on at night. So this movie does show promise, but the trailer just didn't do enough to to quell my fears. The Wind gets a five out of 11. Next up, we have a film called High Life. A father and his daughter struggled to survive in deep space, where they live in isolation. They were part of an experiment in deep space. The question is, what happened? This stars Robert Pattinson from The Bad Mother's Handbook, Juliette Binoche from The English Patient, Andre Benjamin from Four Brothers, and Mia Goth from that terrible movie, A Cure for Wellness. This movie I look at a, a lot along the same lines as The Wind, where it could be really, really good, or it could be just awful, because this has a super stylized indie feel to it. 
And if you've been listening to me for a while, you don't need me to explain that. But just in case someone is new, I just want to explain this to you and why I said what I said. Because obviously an indie movie, we know that's just not a big budget theater film something independent but it's also a genre and it's also a style and that's what i'm talking about with this where it has a style that it just looks indie where it it looks like the filmmakers were going for this look and you could tell because it has this we have a terribly low budget look to it but it still looks really crisp and really clean and very purposeful in the way it presents itself So that's why sometimes I'll talk about a film being an indie movie and not just talking about the fact that it's an independent film. So there you go. This is a sci-fi thriller and I love sci-fi. I love it a lot, which is why it was hard for me to not put, uh, what was that piece of shit called? Division 19 in the wide releases of interesting indies. It just looks so bad. This one looks just good enough to warrant it. I like Robert Pattinson when he's not shining bright like a diamond and Andre Benjamin is good. Mia Goth needs to redeem herself and Juliette Binoche for English Patients, a fucking great movie. There are a lot of signs pointing to this being a good film, but I just get this feeling that it might have fallen short. We have all these people on this, on this spaceship and they're like, I'm not sure if they're prisoners or they say that they just didn't fit in with the way things were on Earth. So they're sent away and it seems like there's some experiment going on. Like they're being experimented on by this doctor who's having a relationship with Robert Pattinson and someone has a baby that he's raising it as his own. But it's weird that whenever you see a scene with him and the baby, they're alone. But whenever you see a scene with him and someone else, there's no baby. So it makes me think that this movie takes place in two times, like with him and the baby and everyone's gone. Maybe they're dead, maybe they left, or he escaped, and then the scenes of leading up to it. Because does a baby belong to this doctor who's banging him, or does a baby belong to one of the other patients, or patients, one of the other people in this study? What's going on? High Life gets a 6 out of 11. You know what, we'll do one more movie, just because after this next movie, the other ones I'm actually really excited for, like all of them I really want to see. This is the last one where I'm like, okay, it looks interesting, has potential. The next movie and the final one before the last break is called Peterloo. This is a story of the 1819 Peterloo Massacre where British forces attacked a peaceful pro-democracy rally in Manchester. This stars Rory Kinnear from Penny Dreadful, Maxine Peake from the UK version of Shameless, and Pierce Quigley from The Way Back. Here's something about history I never knew. There was a Peterloo Massacre. I did not know this. And thus, I find this really interesting. Like Anything that's going to tell a story of something epic like this, unfortunately epic for sad reasons, any movie like that is going to catch my eye. And I like how when it comes to British historical movies, they have kind of acknowledged the fact that they used to be gigantic assholes. And they, they're like, okay, yeah, we, we did this. It was up and um hey we're better we're not like that anymore and some reason one reason i I think that's so easy to do that is the fact that it wasn't a democracy so it was the monarchy at the time that did that so the british people can distance themselves a little more from that going no 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 none of us would have i would have voted no i don't know about you i would never have done that but this film looks interesting because By this time in history, America's been around for a little bit, right? And then so they're looking, or not looking, but they're hearing about America. They're like, oh, hey, they have democracy. They're no longer under British rule. They're getting shit 
done. We should do that too. And then the massacre. So this doesn't have anyone huge in it. Uh, but it still looks interesting. It doesn't look great. This looks like the kind of movie that you forget about until one day some streaming service gets it or you stumble upon it in a bargain bin somewhere and you go, oh, yeah, I heard about that. Why don't we give it a try? And then you watch it and you're like, OK, yeah, that that happened and it wasn't bad. But if you're a history buff, this could be the movie for you. It looks interesting, but unfortunately also looks skippable. Peter Lou gets a 5.5 out of 11. All right, so it's time for the final break. So we're going to squeeze two, count them, two ads into this from our friends at both the Nerds of the Squared Circle and the Watch Your Mouth podcast. So please stay tuned. Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com. Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com. Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com. Hi, I'm Sam Jericho of SomewhatNerdy.com's Nerds of the Squared Circle. Join me, Snarf Chris and the dude with the headband. We talk about wrestling and more wrestling. Do you like wrestling? Yeah! Yeah. Then you should listen to our podcast. Do you not like wrestling? You should still listen to our podcast. Someone to read a comms, Nerds in the Squared Circle. Subscribe to us on iTunes or your favorite podcast app today. Nerds in the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com. There are several ways to raise money for a good cause. Some do it by running marathons. Some host high-dollar dinners. And some just do it by clever internetting. We here at the Watch Your Mouth Podcast employ a different approach. Wall-to-wall filthy f***ing language. Go to a grocery store, I'm like, I know exactly what I need. I get in there, I'm like, Yeah, <laughs> the f*** did I even come here for? With our charity swear jar, every f***ed up utterance from our unfettered gobs is a dime in the right direction. The motherfucker's a mouth breather. Gaming, movies, life musings, it's all here. Served on a bed of f***s and garnished with a crown of Shut the f*** up! How the f*** did we get here? F*** all that f***ing jelly bean! So if you want to hear us do good things with bad words, check out the Watch Your Mouth podcast on iTunes. SoundCloud, Facebook, or online at WIMpodcast.com. And remember, swearing is caring, so watch your mouth. All right, we're back. We're back, and I have a refilled glass. This time it's honey whiskey. Honey whiskey, that's right. You know, I find it's a little weird when I drink just because what I feel like varies. Like, I, there are times where I can just take a glass of whiskey and just sip it. I'm like, oh, this is good. And other days, I need the fruitiest f***ing cocktail you can find because I sip. I'm like, oh, God, no, never. But fun fact about me. Fun, fun fact there. Well, let's get on with the movies. And from now on, all these movies I really want to see. And I will see them. But just not, you know, not all of them in theaters. Let's start with a film called The Public. An act of civil disobedience turns into a standoff with police when homeless people in Cincinnati take over the public library to seek shelter from the bitter cold. This stars Alec Baldwin from The Departed, Emilio Estevez from The Mighty Ducks, Jenna Maloney from Nocturnal Animals, Taylor Schilling from Argo, Christian Slater from Very Bad Things, Gabrielle Union from 10 Things I Hate About You, Jeffrey Wright from Westworld, Michael Kenneth Williams from The Wire, rapper Che Rhymefest Smith, and Jacob Vargas from Luke Cage. So besides having a huge cast, this movie is also written and directed by Emilio Estevez, and it looks really 
good. I'm surprised this isn't actually based off a true story because it seems like something that would happen. So in this movie, we have Emilio Estevez playing the guy in charge of this library, like the head librarian, Lord Librarian Emilio Estevez. And if you've ever been to a public library in a big city, you know that homeless people frequent it because, hey, it's a place to stay warm. It's free. You can read books, which is pretty awesome. You have access to the Internet, access to bathrooms. But then this whole thing starts one night when it gets super cold and one of the homeless regulars of the library dies. And unfortunately, this is a case in America. This is a case in a lot of places where it gets so cold, people are dying because the shelters don't have enough places for people to live. So this this group of homeless people are like, hey, we should take over the uh, take over the library because we have this library here. It's not being used as a shelter and we don't want to die. And you know what? I've heard all the arguments about why we should and why we shouldn't like do things like this. Like, oh, some of the homeless people did to themselves. Some of them are crazy, but they're human fucking beings. At the very least, can't we provide them some place to sleep for Christ's sake? I mean, whether or not we'll throw money at them, sure, let's debate that. But sleeping and eating, that should just be part of being an American. You're guaranteed shelter and food. Even if it's some group home and you sleep in a bed and right next to someone else, even that, even if you don't even get a say in what you eat and it's just provided for you. So excuse that little rant, but I'm not sure how much of a political statement this movie is and how much of it is just an interesting idea. This movie has a lot going for it. It's a topic we don't hear a lot about. It is a topic that could that could plausibly happen. It has a bunch of good actors and actresses in it. It has Emilio Estevez, the child of Martin Sheen, who never went off the deep end like Charlie did. So yeah, this has a lot going for it, and I am very excited. This is a movie I know I will watch but the thing is just not in theaters even though i'm really excited for this even though i think it's going to be a good movie even though i think it may be better than two of the movies that i'm going to talk about next i will still wait because this isn't the type of movie you need to see in theaters the public looks good the public looks like something you should watch but the public looks like something you should watch at home the public gets an 8.5 out of 11. You know, I'm going to take this time to just do a quick reminder uh, about the Bill score, that it isn't just how good I think the movie's going to be. It also has a lot to do with how it will look in theaters. You know what? I'm going to change the public. I'm going to cha- change the public's rating to a nine. So a nine out of 11, because I do think it looks that good. And also, I have to keep in mind that I think it looks like it's going to be a better movie than two of the next movies I'm going to be talking about. But it also looks like it's going to be less fun. Well, let us move on to the next film and a movie that I'm surprised is not the pick of the week, and that is Pet Cemetery. Dr. Lewis Creed and his wife Rachel relocate from Boston to rural Maine with their two young children. The couple soon discover a mysterious burial ground hidden deep in the woods near their home. This stars Jason Clark from Everest, Amy Simitz from Alien Covenant, John Lithgow from Interstellar, and Jete or Jeet. I'm not sure Lawrence from Stinky Pete, and I'm not sure how to pronounce her name because it's J-E-T-E, and the second E has a, um, what do you call those things, an accent over it. So I said that I'm surprised this wasn't my pick, and that is 100% true. A, because why would I lie? Why? There's, there's really, there's no real point for me to lie on this show. It's not like my fan base 
you listeners are hanging on by a thread. She's like, oh, one more, one more mistake, and I'm not listening to this ass anymore. But the second reason is that I was so pumped for this movie. I love me some Stephen King. I've read a lot of his books, but there are even more of his books I haven't read, and I'm slowly trying to read them all. I just finished, at the end of last month, just finished reading Pet Cemetery, and it was really good. And I have a lot of thoughts on that that I'll talk about when I do a book blog for it. Maybe I might even talk about it on the show, because I want to watch the original movie. Anna and I have this plan to watch the original movie and watch the remake, and then I've read the book so I can talk about all of them. But the one thing I want to mention is that the book wasn't scary. It wasn't scary at all. I don't understand how people can read that and think it was scary. It was just really good. What it was was a fantastically written story about this this man and his wife and his children who live out in this rural area of Maine. And you spend the literal first half of this almost 400 page book getting to know them. And it's not just getting to know them because uh, that would be boring. There's there is stuff that goes on. But the real shit hits the fan in the halfway mark. And I think, and if I remember right, when they did the movie, they changed when the second act happened around a little bit. And I understand why. Because while the the book wasn't explicitly a horror, at least not to me, there were there was scary stuff, but a lot of it happened at the very end. The rest of it really was a character study. For the movie, they couldn't do that. And they tried to make it more scary, so stuff had to happen a little quicker. Here, let's meet these people. Boom, the first thing happens. Boom, the second thing happens. Boom, let's end. So we know for this movie that they changed some things around. And because Anne's an earshot, I'm not going to say exactly what it is. But they change a couple things. Like like um, one of the characters who dies doesn't. And they switch the which character dies. Uh, one of the characters who dies, they I believe they took out of the movie completely. Just because I was looking at the IMDb page, I didn't see this other character's name. A, a kind of important character's name. I didn't even see them mentioned. Of course, we know IMDb isn't perfect, so the, it, it could just be a mistake. But it seems like enough of the movie is being changed that people who read the book or are familiar with the original movie will get a gist of what to expect, but still be surprised. Even though if you did watch a lot of the a lot of the trailers for this movie, you will know one of the changes they made already. And you know what? I don't mind. Uh, online, I've seen a lot of people in comment sections crying about this, going, oh, they changed a lot. But I think it's more important that they change what they did and keep the spirit of the movie, which I think they're going to do. Also, in this day and age, we're a little more careful with being accurate to the original story. We're not perfect. No, there's a lot of movies out there still that are woefully different from their source material. But at least there's more of a strive to stay closer to what originally happened. Uh, but I get it. We have a two, two hour and something minute movie and you can't do a nearly 400 page book in that time. The Harry Potters taught us that, that as the Harry Potter movies went on, they got further and further from the book. The first one was really close, and even with the first one, they still took stuff out. I mean, you never saw the House Elf Revolution in the movies, and that was a notable part of, of the books. Though for me, it was a good thing because that means less Dobby, less Dobby makes for a better movie. But I'm still very excited for this. Uh, I, I'm very happy that we're in a new renaissance for Stephen King adaptations. I still haven't seen Castle Rock and I should, I know I should. 
And I think more and more now we can trust Stephen King adaptation movies and shows because for a while they were really hit or miss. And there were some amazing ones like there was Stand By Me was great. The Green Mile was great. The Shining, even though woefully inaccurate to the book, was still great. It both versions, you know, I love the campy 90s one, Misery, but then we have ones that didn't really make it, that people didn't really like. Dreamcatcher, one I hated a lot. Uh, Cell was awful. I I just was so sad that they butchered that one. Oh man, Shawshank Redemption, that was another good one. Um, Wow, you know, actually now that I think about it, there are more good ones than bad, though some of the bad ones are really bad. But in this new renaissance for Stephen King movies and TV shows, I think now is the best time. I think this movie has the benefit of being scarier than the book because they can group it all together because there were some scary parts in the book. But because of the nature of the book and the fact that he told this big story, the parts were few and far in between. The benefit in this case of having this large book squashed down is that they can keep these parts in, keep enough of the characterization so we know know the people, and then they can just run with it. It's like what they did with It Chapter 1 and what, I, what I'm pretty sure they're going to do with It Chapter 2 is that they're going to take out a lot of the backstory, a lot of stuff that made the book good, but isn't necessary for the movie. And I think those are the smart choices that need to be made in this case. And I'm hoping, I believe in Pet Cemetery. I believe that they made those choices. That being said, there are two movie, two more movies coming out that I would rather see if I had to make a choice, but luckily I don't have to make a choice. I have a wonderful wife who's willing to go see a lot of movies with me. But the good news for you is that... The three top movies, Pet Cemetery, the next one, and, well, the final two, are so different that's going to be pretty easy to pick which one you want to see. But for now, let's end this by saying Pet Cemetery gets an 8 out of 11. All right, before we move on, I want to say that this is a dual pick week for a, a very good reason. The next movie I'm going to talk about is a movie that I think is going to be a better film, a better quality movie. The final film I'm going to talk about, which you should already know what it is, but I'm still going to play coy, is going to be a better theater watch. So the next film and the pick of the week for the better of the two is called The Best of Enemies. Civil rights activist Anne Atwater faces off against exalted cyclops of the Ku Klux Klan, C.P. Ellis, in North Carolina in 1971 over the issue of school integration. This stars Tara G.P. Henson from Hidden Figures, Sam Rockwell from Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri, Babu Sise from Into the Badlands, Nick Searcy from Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri, Wes Bentley from The Hunger Games, Anne Heche from John Q., Bruce McGill from My Cousin Vinny, and John Gallagher Jr. from Peppermint. This movie, I think, is going to, you know, I've already said it, it's going to be the best one. The next movie is going to be more visually pleasing. It's going to be funny. Maybe this movie will have a couple funny parts in it, but this really isn't a funny story. Uh, to give you the full rundown, this is about, uh, based on a true story of Anne Atwater, who is a civil rights activist, is still alive, and how she lived in in North Carolina when it was still segregated. And one day, the school that the black children went to got destroyed. I forgot how it got destroyed. It, was, it, it wasn't actually an act of vandalism or terrorism, but that part didn't matter. The part, what matters is they couldn't go to school anymore. 
So she fights to get them integrated into the local white school. The city, or maybe it's the state representative or whatever, one body of government says that they're going to do a panel and Anne Atwater is going to be on one side of the panel in favor of school segregation. So they turn to C.P. Ellis, who is the exalted Cyclops of the local chapter of the Ku Klux Klan, and asks him to talk against school segregation. So we have Anne Atwater facing off against C.P. Ellis, and they have to meet a couple times. So this guy who hates black people, thinks they're lesser beings, thinks they're less than human, has to meet with her, and they have to talk. And as they talk, he learns that they, they have more in common than they have differences. So this is one of those movies where we're going to see someone turn, you know, turn their, their outlook around. And why did I spoil that for you? Uh, for a couple reasons. One, it's clear by the trailer what happens. And also that this happened a long time ago. But also because that's not the point of the movie. The point of the movie is how these two worked together. And then also the pressure CPLs felt from the clan, especially after he started to change his views. So now not only is Anne Atwater in danger because she is fighting for something the clan is against, but so is CP Alice because he doesn't believe it like them anymore. So we have this very interesting story that that fails to live up to a stereotype that a lot of people are angry with is the stereotype of the white savior. I don't agree with the people who are bitching about that, bitching about Green Book, going, oh, this is the, a white savior movie. This black man couldn't have done any of this without this white man. No, I think you're missing the point of that movie. The point of the movie is that we can get along and that we're all people and that color doesn't matter. But with this movie, it's how these two worked together as equals and how it didn't necessarily have to be C.P. Ellis. They could have gotten some other clan member. And I think Anne Atwater was such a ferocious woman that she would have had her way anyway. There's a really cool fact I learned about them, and I'm not going to spoil it for you just because it seems like it's the sort of thing that they would have at the end of the movie. Like the movie ends and then words pop up. It says years later, this happened. It's a really cool fact that I, I really hope you see this movie and I hope they mention it. And if not, just look into it because this is a cool story. We have a good story with fantastic actors. There's nothing to not like about this. The Best of Enemies gets a 10 out of 11. The last movie of the week is one that you, you should know what it is because it's been hard to escape recently in the press, on TV, on the internet, wherever. And that movie and the second pick of the week is called Shazam. Billy Batson gains superpowers when he shouts the word Shazam. With the help of his foster brother, he must learn what it means to be a hero before it's too late. This stars Zachary Levi from Chuck, Jimin Honsu from the Guardians of the Galaxy, and Captain Marvel. Mark Strong from Kingsman The Secret Service, Jack Dylan Grazier from It Chapter 1, and Grace Fulton from Annabelle Creation. And first off, I just want to note how crazy it is that I didn't recognize Jack Dylan Grazier at all, because he plays young Eddie, and he has grown so much since the last film. So I'm wondering that since a lot of these kids did grow a lot since the last movie, are they going to do a mini time jump in the past? Because we know that the kids make a return, even though this new movie is going to focus on the adults. But anyway, that's a different movie. We're talking about Shazam. I want to say one of my favorite heroes, but I really don't know enough about him. But one thing I thought I 
thought was really cool is a storyline of his and Superman's that crossed over that I'm sad they're not going to do because the DCEU is kaput, but it's it's when Shazam does something. I forgot what he does. I think he kills a bad guy or endangers a lot of people or something. And Superman's yelling at him going, what's wrong with you? And then Shazam reverts back to being 14 year old Billy Batson. And Superman's like, oh, shit, you're just a kid. Like you are a child and you are suddenly given these powers without anyone to help you out. And then so that that kind of changes how Superman reacts to him. I thought that was a really good storyline. This movie like looks like it's going to be a little more on the comedy side. And I think that's fine because Shazam is also a very funny, uh, funny comic and has a lot of opportunity for humor. I hope they do a couple of these, at least one more, where they do dive into the the darker side of the Shazam story. And I really think we we will get another one because this one, so far, the ratings are really good. And I think this just looks like a lot of fun. And it looks like this movie did what Deadpool did and focused on making a fun movie. The fact that they both they're both comedies, I think, is just a coincidence. I think that the creators of both this and Deadpool focused on making an enjoyable movie first, and that's where it went right. I mean, while I don't think that Zack Schneider went into making his movies going, oh no, I think I'll make a shitty movie. Something in his approach was vastly different from how some of these others have done it, how James Gunn does it. It seems like right off the bat, James Gunn got it. He's like, I, I know I have this vision and I know what people want, and he did it, and it's what people wanted. Guardians of the Galaxy are some of the best of the Marvel movies. And they're so good that they could have stood on their own and never crossed in to the MCU. But the characters are so good that they can stand on their own in the bigger MCU picture, and they do. But that we're not talking about Marvel here, we're talking about DC, and this looks like it could be the best DC movie yet. I talk a lot about how I do enjoy the DC movies because they're fun. This one looks like it's going to be fun and good. Wonder Woman's really good. Aquaman has been getting a lot of praise. I still haven't seen it because I'm a terrible nerd. Wonder Woman 2 is probably going to be great. And this one is just going to be added to that list. And hopefully someone at DC is paying attention to what the movies that have done well have in common. And they will start to pull their head out of their ass and start to make good decisions. Even though I'm sad we're not going to see another Justice League movie, I do think that getting rid of the DCEU was a good idea because now they can focus on making good stories, good standalone movies first, and then bring them together. Unfortunately, I don't think we'll see the Justice League again as they are now. Obviously, we're not going to see Batfleck again, but I don't think even if we do another Justice League if that we'll see Henry Cavill and Gal Gadot. I don't think we're going to see them. Because by the time the DC franchise is ready to come together again, after they started getting it right, I think those actors would have moved on. But right now, we have a movie coming out that is an example of hope. An example that DC can get it right. Even though I hate Metacritic and Rotten Tomatoes, I'm going to talk about their scores anyway. And that is because even the assholes at Rotten Tomatoes so far has a 93% based on 190 reviews. That is f***ing amazing. 
Metacritic, it's a little less, uh, score of 73 based on 43 critics. And so far, even though none of these sites have an official audience score, so far everything coming back from audiences seeing this, people who have seen advanced screenings, is saying that it's good. So when critics and actual human beings agree, we all know that means that there is something good. Shazam is that movie. Shazam is the movie you watch in the theaters, while The Best of Enemies is a better movie, I believe, but best watched at home, because Shazam is going to have all the action, the CG, st impressive stuff, while Best of Enemies will be just as good on your couch. Watch both of these movies, but if you see one in the theaters, watch Shazam. Shazam gets a 9.5 out of 11. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that is it for this episode. It's weird, right? With no news, no trailer trove, no question of the week. I swear that we'll start again next week. But for now, let's wrap this up. You can find me on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, and any podcast app, as well as the Somewhat Nerdy website. That's somewhatnerdy.com. I'd really appreciate it if you take a few minutes out of your day to give the podcast a rating. I would love five stars, please. And then share the podcast. Tell your friends. That is how we grow. And then how do you reach me? That is a great question. Leave a comment for me on the Somewhat Nerdy website or Facebook page. Leave a comment on SoundCloud. Hit me up on Twitter and Instagram at BilliamSWN. Email me at BilliamReviews at gmail.com. Please support us on Patreon. You can find a link in the show notes and on the Somewhat Nerdy website. Be sure to check out the Somewhat Nerdy Radio and Nerds of the Squared Circle. Also on the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network. Don't forget to check out the Watch Your Mouth Podcast. Great friends of the show. And check the Somewhat Nerdy site for all of our latest blogs and news. And keep up with Billiam's book blog. My new and ongoing series where I talk about books. Because I love books. I'm a huge nerd. But finally, my dear friends... My dear, dear listeners, my future fans, please remember that no matter where life takes you, no matter what your week has in store, just take some time to catch a flick. I'm Billiam from Somewhat Nerdy signing off, and I'll see you in the future.